Hey everyone, before we get started on this week's episode, we'd like to make an announcement. You can now subscribe to the official Odd Trails Patreon. Right now, we're offering ad-free episodes every week and at a higher bitrate for the best listening experience possible. In the coming months, we will be working on releasing additional Patreon-only content that I know you guys are going to love. But if you'd like to get access to those ad-free episodes and support the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash odd trails or click the link in the show notes and subscribe today. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. I was recently reminded of an event that happened to me roughly 15 years ago and figured I should share it with you. For a bit of context, when I was 13 years old, my mother got into very spiritual things and took me to healing circles with her. Really anything she could get involved in, she would bring me along for all of it. Nowadays, I'm a fairly skeptical adult, but at the time, I just blindly followed my mom. She was my mom, you know? So anyway, while I am a skeptic now, this particular story is the reason I still can't rule out the possibility that ghosts are real. My mom's friend reached out to her for help with a house clearing, and you know, without a doubt, my mom was bringing me, since every spiritual person we met referred to me as the sensitive child. I didn't like being called a child. I was 13, come on but I wasn't going to speak out about it. We didn't know much about this house clearing that we were going to do, just that it was for a friend of my mom's, and they lived in another town about 40 minutes away. When we arrived, we were on a kind of dingy-looking lot. I'm not sure that it could be called a farm, but it was a large area with a lot of dirt and not much else going on, which was a little bit strange for the summertime. I would have expected to see a bit more green at the time. The home itself was fine enough, if a little bit tired. It had wooden stairs and a deck, as well as details on the home that could use some more paint. When we stepped out of the car, my mom's friend, let's call her Alexandra, was talking to two women who presumably lived there. They immediately bristled when they saw me. What is a child doing here? Alexandra shrugged. They then explained that they believed that the spirit they were clearing was that of a pedophile and that it was inappropriate that I was there. This would have been good information to have before we drove 40 minutes to get there, if you ask me. Now, my mom hates driving. She wasn't going to just drive me back home and come back to help, nor was she going to leave me outside or in the car on a hot summer day while she went to do this house clearing, and she made this clear. Eventually, the women relented and allowed me to take part in the house clearing. 
they described that they felt that the dark presence in their home, as I mentioned earlier, was that of a pedophile, and they believed he would capture the souls of children and prevent them from crossing over. It makes sense that they would want this kind of energy to be cleared from their home. According to their faith, we were to do the clearing in the basement and send the spirits upwards to the sky. So, down to the basement we went. They kept telling us that the basement was scary because they kept their potatoes down there, and the potatoes had a lot of eyes. When we went down there, I don't remember seeing potatoes, so I wasn't sure what they were talking about. However, I do think there is something inherently creepy about an unfinished basement. It was poorly lit, with cement floors, and had dingy-looking wood. We set up a salt circle and held hands and began chanting. I don't remember the chant, but what I do remember was a weird rolling, bubbling sensation that began in my toes while a simultaneous hot and cold pressure began building in my head. I'd like to take a moment to explain that throughout my life, I've had issues with low blood pressure, anxiety, and other issues with dizziness. I'm very familiar with what dizziness and panic attacks feel like. This overwhelming pressure in my head combined with the bubbling wave working its way up to my legs, is unlike anything I've experienced, even 20 years later. I felt like throwing up, and all I could do was continue breathing. To continue chanting took an incredible amount of energy, and I was suddenly exhausted. All the while, it felt like I was being pushed from my body. I could distantly hear the adult women calling my name, and the two who were holding my hands were squeezing tight. Can we sit down? I asked breathlessly. They agreed, and we all worked our way down to the floor, not letting go of each other's hands so as to not break the circle. The salt from the circle dug into my skin and started to burn. I know salt is uncomfortable on skin regardless. I've never had it burn the way it did in that moment, though. I knew I couldn't brush it away at that moment, so I just continued with the chanting and the clearing. Sitting down was a game changer. It was a lot easier to face the weird pressure from the ground, where I didn't feel like my legs were going to buckle. It still felt like I was being pushed from my body, but from here, I could push back. Slowly, the hot and cold pressure receded, and the rolling bubbles subsided, and I could breathe more easily again. Once that was done, the clearing went much smoother and was finished not long after that. Afterwards, Alexandra told me that my eyes had been rolling in the back of my head. The other woman told my mom to never bring me to something like this again, and kept telling her, look what almost happened, and other similar remarks. It is very possible that this spirit tried to possess me, I have no other explanation for what happened and how it felt at this point. While my mom continued to bring me to healing circles, she never took me to a house clearing again.
prefacing this to say myself, my husband, and my daughter are all atheists. I was raised in the church, but I never believed in God or an afterlife. I did, however, have an intense fear of the dark when I was a child. I remember in one home in particular, I would sit up in my bed in the dark, and I would just scream and cry, feeling an intense evil presence in the room with me, but never seeing anything. I still to this day cannot sleep in the dark, and I often have a feeling of something racing up my back when I leave the room. I also had recurring dreams as a kid, one where I would be too scared to jump up off of my bed, and when I finally got the courage to do so, I was immediately pulled under the bed and I would wake up. The other recurring dream, I'm circling a tree and playing. One time, when I circled the tree, there was a hole in the tree. And that's usually when I wake up. I don't consider myself haunted, but I may have a sensitivity to, I guess, the unseen. It's difficult to rationalize these intense primal fears that seemingly come out of nowhere when you're not a believer in the paranormal or the afterlife, but I can't deny what I experienced. My family lived in an apartment in Colorado for seven years, and the following are some of our unexplained, creepy experiences. The most benign would be objects mysteriously disappearing and never to be seen again. Items that couldn't easily go missing, and they weren't of much value, like Halloween costume jewelry, a metal water bottle, a beanie, and a particular sock that was not easily missed. We always joked that we would find these items when we moved out, but we never did. We had a small apartment and are a small family of three. We went through and purged everything that we owned when we purchased our first home in the summer of 2020. We didn't have a lot of guests, and we don't have a lot of family in the state, so there's an extremely low risk that these things were stolen from our home. Almost all items went missing from my daughter's room. We also would have a distinct memory of using or seeing the objects out of place the day before they went missing. For instance, my daughter's beanie went missing the day after she wore it out to a school concert. She came home from the concert, took selfies with the beanie, then took it off, but never saw it again. My water bottle was in her room on the floor, and I remember being annoyed because I let her use it and she wasn't taking care of it, but I never saw it again. I know it sounds like it's just a case of a messy teen's room, but my daughter kept her room tidy and is the kind of kid who loves all of her stuff. She takes care of it. My daughter always said a presence was in her room, but said that she never felt threatened by it. It was a small apartment second bedroom, so one of the walls was taken up almost entirely by her closet doors, which were two floor-to-ceiling sliding mirrors, one of which cracked shortly after moving in. Now, my specific experiences... I had an aversion to the back of the apartment. The front door opened up to the living room on the right, dining room, kitchen on the left, and the hallway leading to the two bedrooms and the guest bath. There were several times I was home alone when I could not go to the back of the house, even if I really needed to use the bathroom. I felt this intense pressure, kind of like the feeling I spoke about earlier. One time, I felt so uncomfortable being there alone I went to my neighbors to hang out until my husband got home. Nothing happened. 
I didn't see or hear anything unusual, but I felt terrified and that I had to flee. The first incident that was more than just unexplained fear, I guess was pretty boring. At the time, I was waiting tables and would take my daughter to her school at 8.30, then have to be at work by 10.30. I would always run my clothes in the dryer to freshen them up, shower, then finish getting ready. I put my clothes in the dryer, showered, and sat in the living room, doing my makeup, watching TV, etc. I could hear the dryer running. The last thing I did was dress before leaving. And when I went to get my clothes, the dryer was open, and my shirt was hanging over the dryer door. I was home alone. I booked it to work. But the whole time I was telling myself that I had just forgotten to actually start the dryer, but the dryer and clothes were still slightly warm, like it had been running. I don't know. The next incident, I was asleep in my bed, laying on my stomach, legs straight underneath me, and the bottoms of my feet were upright and exposed. I was woken up by something making one firm straight scratch down the middle of my left foot. I awoke immediately and turned backwards, expecting to see my husband or daughter messing with me, and even when I looked over the side of the bed to make sure that they weren't ducked down there and hiding, nobody was there. I didn't have a mark on my foot, but I know I felt the scratch because it woke me up in a startled manner. Now, the most intense experience also involved me being asleep, so I want to make it clear that I have never experienced any kind of sleep paralysis of any kind. I've read many stories and accounts of people who have, but this wasn't it. It starts out with me dreaming that I'm being haunted. I still remember this dream vividly. The home wasn't familiar to me, but... It was very dated, like something from the 60s or 70s. I get this feeling that I'm in that time period in the dream. The only thing I remember from the dream that was paranormal was that I was reaching into a cabinet for some cereal and the boxes kept pushing towards me suddenly. I asked someone, I can't remember who, to come and see what just happened. And it happens again. Only the cereal was pulled back towards the back of the cabinet. The person I'm showing it to told me, leave it alone. The next thing I know, I'm giving someone else a tour of the home and recounting other creepy experiences that I had. But it felt like this movie montage, and I couldn't really hear the details of what I was recounting to the person that I was talking to. This is when I wake up. I'm fully aware now. I'm on my side. I'm being rolled onto my stomach and my face is being slowly pushed into the pillow by these, I guess you could call them hands, but mostly fingers. I eventually am able to start screaming, help me, into the pillow. And that stops it. My husband came into the room when this happened, and could tell that I was freaked out. He thinks it was some weird form of sleep paralysis, but I do not agree. I've never had anything like that happen to me since. We moved and haven't had any weird experiences in the new house. Yet. Thank you.
This story starts before I was born. My parents moved onto my grandparents' land and bought a double wide that we could live in until I moved out at 18. My mom's house growing up was haunted and she is very sensitive to the paranormal, so it only made sense that I would also be in tune with the unexplained. When she was pregnant with me, she awoke one night to a Native American spirit hovering over her. It had its hands outstretched, touching her belly, and she was overwhelmed with the feeling of dread that if she didn't move, I was going to die. She was paralyzed and started praying out loud, In the name of Jesus, you are not welcome here. The spirit vanished. Other experiences happened during my childhood, but they were rather insignificant. A lit candle that no one lit, doors opening by themselves, me projecting in my dreams, and seeing shadows move in corners of rooms. But this story I'm about to tell is the first eerie happening that I can vividly remember. I was around 10 years old, and my dad would always check in on me before he left for work at around 5.30 in the morning. One morning, I woke up to a tall, slender man standing in my doorway. There was a loud thump, and the man immediately dropped to the floor. I sat straight up and saw nothing but heard heavy footsteps walking away from my bedroom. My dad wore steel-toed boots so it eased my mind that it was probably him, thinking I had imagined the loud noise. When I got out of bed, my dad was in the living room when he should have been at work. I asked him why he checked in on me when he didn't go to work. He said he hadn't gone into my room at all. This was before Slenderman got popular, but the first time I saw a picture of him, I became physically sick because it resembled the figure I had seen perfectly. A few weeks later, I woke up at around 7 a.m. I got up to leave my bedroom, only to feel an overwhelming sense of dread as my feet touched the floor. I booked it to my bedroom door, and clear as day, directly in my ear, I heard a deep voice whisper, No. I ripped my door open and ran into my parents' room. My mom saged my bedroom that afternoon, and I slept on a mattress on their floor for weeks. Another time, we were outside in the pool, and I ran inside to use the bathroom. The bathroom was totally normal, nothing was out of place. I went back outside, only for my mom to offer to go get ice cream, so I turned around and went right back to the bathroom to change, less than five minutes later. The entire bathroom was covered in flies, floor to ceiling, All the walls, everything, had a layer of buzzing flies. It doesn't hurt to mention this bathroom was connected to my bedroom. I don't know how my parents took care of that. It freaked my mom out so much she sent me to my grandparents for the night. As the years went on and other paranormal things happened, my mom made friends with a witch. She has a professional title, but a witch is the easiest thing to call her. She came to our house and did a sort of assessment. She discovered a sinkhole at the bottom of our driveway that emitted terrifying energy. We later found out that the land we lived on was on an old Native American burial ground. The sinkhole seemed to be letting in entities. Since I've moved out on my own, I've had very few experiences, and I am grateful for that. 
My dad still lives in that house, but never believed in the paranormal. If he has had any weird things happen, he hasn't mentioned them. I rarely get to talk about my life growing up in a haunted house. I'd like to think I'm aware of the paranormal, although maybe not exactly sensitive. My extended family all have stories that are more in-depth, but this is mine. When I was a junior in college, my fraternal grandmother moved into my maternal grandmother's sister's house on a ridge in southern Appalachia. It had once been largely owned and occupied by my maternal family. My cousin, the daughter of my maternal grandmother's sister, told my parents that my fraternal grandmother could live in the house rent-free as long as my parents fixed it up. The following events are detailed in order of their occurrences and were unknown to me prior to my personal experiences in the house. In preparation for my fraternal grandmother's move, my mother was remodeling the kitchen. They worked on the house in the evenings after work, and she always got there at least an hour before my dad. One night, she saw my father walk across the front porch and then back across to the driveway. She yelled at him, asking if he'd forgot something. An hour later, he came into the house. She asked again if he had forgotten something, to which he explained that he had only just arrived, coming straight home from work, very confused. My fraternal grandmother, after moving into the house, was convinced that people were coming into her kitchen at night. She also believed that people were standing on her porch, looking at the contents of her cabinets through the window. A few months after she moved in, my grandmother was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer. She was a lifelong smoker, so this was unsurprising. She was, however, convinced that the deceased son of my maternal grandmother's sister was haunting the house. She said that he was a tall shadow that moved along the walls, who would sometimes watch her sleep. While my family does entertain notions of the paranormal, they did not believe the shadow that she was seeing was my cousin, as they did not believe that he would have willingly lingered in that house after his death. She also regularly complained about the dishes and the cabinets and the cans and the pantry rattling, initially saying that someone was moving them and finally attributing it to mice. Still, she had my dad install an alarm on her kitchen door and put curtains up on her cabinets to hide her cans from view. During my senior year in college, my grandmother's cancer became manageable, and she no longer had to attend chemo. She had a friend who spent every Thanksgiving with her. I called her on Thanksgiving night, and she was deeply inebriated on pain medication. She said that her friend had been there, and then left. While I was talking to her, she nodded off and woke up. She said that she thought she had been awake and that her friend had been sitting in the chair next to her. The next morning, she called to tell me that her friend had died the previous night. She was deeply upset, 
The following months, despite the fact that her cancer improved, my grandmother's condition deteriorated. She became unresponsive to family members and had to be moved into an assisted living facility. Shortly after I graduated college, my mother sent me to my grandmother's house to feed her dogs. I previously had no negative experiences in the house and was unaware of my family's experiences themselves. I walked through the door, into the kitchen, and started down the hall to the living room. In the kitchen, I began having difficulty breathing. I felt like something in the house was bearing down on me. Like it wanted me dead. Never before in my life had I felt like something wanted to eat me. And I've never felt that way since. But that is the best way that I can describe it. I felt like prey. I ran through the living room and out the back door to feed the dogs. While outside, I tried to get back to the front yard without going through that house. I was terrified. This was to no avail. I couldn't climb the back fence and had left my keys laying on the kitchen table. I ultimately ended up running back through the house, grabbing the keys, locking the door, and driving straight home. When I arrived home, I told my mom about my experience. She then told me about her experiences in the house, thinking that she had seen my dad, among other things, and chalking it up to breathing too many paint fumes. She also told me that during my grandmother's last days in the house, she was adamant that shadow people were coming to get her and the stuff in her little green box in the backyard of the property. My grandmother died less than two weeks later. Everyone who came to help pack up her house complained about the suffocating atmosphere of the place. An amateur ghost hunter and family friend came with us after we cut the power to the place to do EMF readings, which turned up all over the place. So the general consensus was something weird was going on. A few months later, my maternal grandmother's brother moved into the house. We did not mention any of the unusual happenings to him. Still, after a few weeks, he began to complain about dishes rattling in the cabinets, cans moving around in the pantry, and shadows running along the halls. He passed away suddenly after just a few months of living in that house. Now, slightly more backstory about the family. Regarding my maternal grandmother's brother, who moved into the house, he previously lived in a house across the road with his wife, who died tragically in a car accident when I was very young. This uncle also had a bit of a drinking problem, and after his wife's death, he would occasionally visit my maternal grandmother while under the influence. On a couple of these occasions, he would see me and cry and talk about how much I looked like his dead wife. When that uncle died, I was working for his grandson as a personal assistant. They lived in a house on a hill with a driveway a few hundred feet from the house where my grandmother and then great uncle had lived. His son had many other children who were also in the house, all of whom were at least 10 years younger than the grandson that I was working with. My client was the only one born before his grandmother's death and the only one with memories of her. One day after my uncle's death, his son's third youngest child, who was around four at the time, came up to me and very angrily said, 
Why didn't you wave at me yesterday? I hadn't worked with the family the previous day, so I hadn't been on the ridge or anywhere near that house. I asked him what he was talking about. Why didn't you wave at me yesterday? He repeated. I didn't see you yesterday, I replied. He got this angry look, the look of a kid who has lied way too much and expects better from you. Yes, you did, he accused. Me and Jay were on the four-wheelers and we went out by paws. We saw you on the porch with him and you didn't even wave, he huffed. I absolutely froze. You saw Pa yesterday? I asked to clarify the situation. The kid huffed and got angrier. He gave me that, don't you play dumb with me look. You were with him on the porch and you didn't even wave back, he accused. His old house, I asked, because I couldn't think of anything else. What? No, where your meemaw lived, he yelled at me. Why didn't you wave? You were sitting on the porch with Pa, he repeated, starting to look a little confused. All I could think about was my drunk uncle hugging me and crying, swearing how much I looked like his dead wife. And you saw me, I asked. The kid then rolled his eyes, huffed again, then stormed off. I made my excuses to my client and booked it off of that ridge as fast as possible. I don't know what was in that house. My mom spent plenty of time there as a child and she said that she never experienced anything strange until working on it for my grandmother. I don't think that the things we experienced were ever human or the result of humans. Maybe something drawn there by pain that existed in that space for so long from so many people. The old folks in my family seemed pretty confident that there were old things in the woods. So maybe it was something like that. All I know is that the ridge is full of stories, and that is the only one I've fully been a part of. And I hope that wherever my great uncle is, he's with his wife. She was the love of his life, and she died far too young. They deserve to be happy together. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Odd Trails. This week you have heard The Time a Spirit Tried to Possess Me by EJ Unexplained by Ashley Haunted Childhood Home by P And finally, Not Your Ma by Witchcraft Annie. All the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you have a story that you would like to submit, Send it over to stories at oddtrails.com. All right, so we're on a roll here with these amazing short stories. We actually have another happy haunt story, another ghost story sent in by Andrew Stair. This one's just titled Ghost Story. Do you want to take it away, Brandon? Absolutely. It all started back in 2018 when I was 11 years old, but these activities feel like they happened yesterday. Me and my brother, who was about one at this time, would love to play games and do other stuff, but due to paranormal activities, spending time was interrupted by weird things. 
Before me and my family moved into the house, seven people lived there, four of whom died in that house. Two of them died in my brother's room, and one died in my room, and another died in the bathroom. The house was built a long time ago, and the people who lived there stayed until they died, and apparently stayed after they died. We could tell they stayed due to the interactions they had with my brother and the rest of us. My brother would save his seat on the couch and walk down the hallway with his hand in a fist and up in the air, like he was holding someone's hand, while demanding the words, Come on, Mo, to someone behind him. The neighbors were related to the people who used to live there, so my parents got worried and started to ask them questions about the history of the house. They were told that there was a man named Mo who died in my brother's room. This was shocking at first because my brother was making friends with ghosts. Also, it was said that Mo never had children due to sickness. This was not the only crazy thing that happened in the house. The blinds would open up in the morning, doors, cabinets, and the refrigerator would open and shut. Mo was never scary. He was like an invisible guardian angel who looked over me and my brother. My family and I sort of got used to having Mo around. He never hurt anyone, so he was okay. Eventually, we had to move away, causing separation between us and Mo. As we were getting ready to leave the house for the last time, my brother looked out of the window and said, Bye, Mo. Those words never left my head and probably never will. There's got to be something to children being able to see and interact with spirits. 100%. More so, yeah, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Inside joke, inside joke. Sorry. Also, I made the mistake of eating, what are these, uh, Carolina Reaper Extreme Blue Diamond almonds before recording. Not a mistake whatsoever. Let's get some more yogurt before recording, too. Uh, So, yeah, there's got to be something to children being able to see spirits and having access to that realm much easier than adults. I I remember, you know, I I talked about growing up Pentecostal when I was a kid, but that came along with a host of creepy stories from people. Because even though I've talked about how it is a cult and everything, it does open you up. It opens you up to a lot of spiritual warfare. You become spiritually susceptible. Exactly. And... We would see things when we were kids. That's just how it worked because our houses were filled with spirits. That's just how it works. When you open yourself up to that, they're they're gonna they're gonna make themselves at home. I would see things all the time. I remember one time when I was in my bedroom playing, and I I might have talked about this on the show. I swear to God, I saw my dad walk by the doorway, and I I said, "Hey, Dad." Then I came in to talk to my mom, and I said, "Where's Dad at?" She said, "He's been at work all day." But then when I thought back. On what I saw, it wasn't my dad. It was a, it was a person, but they had bigger eyes than my dad. They were really big. It was it was weird, but more more of a creepy story. Just to kind of top things off here, I remember another kid in the church telling me about how he saw a demon in his house, and he was scared to even tell us about it. He wasn't making this up. This thing really really freaked him out. What he saw in the corner of his room was a dark figure with a red face, almost like the insidious demon. Ooh. Yeah, but he heard his little brother, who also saw it, say, Hi, Grandma. (laughs) Yeah. So, apparently, 
the little kid, the little brother of my friend, thought that his grandma was manifesting as this weird dark figure with a red face that my my friend thought was a demon in his room. Yeah, I kind of think it's almost like learning a new language. Um, as most of us know, children, it's easier for them to pick up new languages. They just absorb it like a sponge. I'm wondering if being susceptible to like the spiritual realm kind of operates the same way because we hear so many instances of children seeing and talking to spiritual entities. And then there's also those those children that have like past life memories right. of their of being somebody completely different in a different country with all these details that they never would have known. Like 5-year-olds talking about all these details of like Ireland when they live in America and yeah, it, they can describe somebody's entire life that they lived before. Uh, yeah, we should di- we should dive into some more child stories. Child stories, yeah, I like yeah. that. I like that. So if you have any children of your own or any nieces or nephews who you love dearly, uh, get their stories from them. Yeah. Send them over. Yeah, just let your kids tell you tell you their tell their tales. Yeah, yeah. Send them into the send them into the show. We want to yeah. talk about them. Anyways, thanks for uh, thanks for listening. We hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode of Odd Trails. Stay safe. Goodbye.